Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome into the show in Scoops with Danny Mac. I'm Dan McLaughlin, our producer, Colin Surrey, this morning. If you're new to this, Every day, 10 o'clock, Scoops with Danny Mac on the show this morning. I'll visit with David Freeze. Now, I get the the opportunity to, to host Cardinal Town Halls. Last night, it was with Tommy Herr and John Tudor, the newest members of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. It was awesome. A few weeks ago, it was David Freeze for a full hour. And I'll get into the potential of the Cardinals Hall of Fame for him because I think he should go in. What Game 6 in 2011 has meant to him as the years have gone by. And also being re-engaged with the Cardinals organization now that he is officially retired. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And that is a visit. And I'm going to say it, future Cardinal Hall of Famer. Why not? David Freeze coming up. All right, we start with baseball again. The players, boy, they have left no doubt about their displeasure with the proposal that was offered to them. Why did this deal take weeks to be rolled out? Why? ESPN's Jeff Passan. What they want to know is what the local and national television revenue looks like for Major League Baseball in 2020. They also want to know what sponsorship looks like, as well as what the projections are for each team in terms of losing money ostensibly by the end of the year. What they really want to know is how much revenue are we actually dealing with here and what is the reality of this before we can agree to anything. And look, Scott, the MLBPA is going to go back to Major League Baseball with a proposal of its own by the end of this week. Sources have told me it's going to be awfully interesting to see what's in their proposal and if it's as strident as Major League Baseball's was to the Players Association. Well, the union quickly nixed the floated revenue-sharing structure, so how could they possibly fix that? How about having more games? That's something to think about. Let's say 100 to 110 more games. The more games that are played, then the more money that is made, generally speaking, certainly for the players. That could be in the upcoming counterproposal, expected to be maybe made by later tonight or tomorrow. What about deferred pay? You may be hearing more about that. It's already becoming a challenge to get a season started by July 4th. MLB is saying that they lose more than 600000 on average for each game played during a short season with zero fans. So the players want to know more about what's on the books of the owners. There is a level of urgency that should exist, and there is a level of urgency that does exist. And the two should be one and the same. They have not been, though. Remember, Major League Baseball originally was going to go to the Players Association with an economic proposal more than two weeks ago. They scuttled that and eventually came around to this one, which landed with a thud with the players. If they want to get back to spring training in the middle of June, as Major League Baseball's plan outlines, and if they want to have opening day, in the first week of July, on the 4th of July perhaps, they're gonna have to get something done very quickly. And there is a dark temptation to believe that this thing could go sideways. This is the first proposal. When we get to the third and fourth, maybe then, if there's still issues, there'll be problems. St. Louis native Max Scherzer, a part of the Players Association's executive committee, he tweeted last night that there was no reason to engage with MLB in any further compensation reduction. Max Scherzer is one of the best pitchers in baseball. He's a Hall of Famer. He's a Cy Young Award winner multiple times. This is a guy who has 
gravitas and is not just a great player, but is an incredibly intelligent person too. And to have him coming out as strident as he was, as forceful as he was with this message, I think says a lot about the position of the players right now. They're mad. They're mad at the offer that Major League Baseball made, and they're not going to sit here and say, oh, we'll be conciliatory, we'll come and meet you in the middle. No, they want to go back to the player or to Major League Baseball and say, we're not going to accept this. All right, let's start thinking about this. Now, there are many reasons as to why this has been a terrible, terrible look for baseball. The real easy one is that there are now... 40 million Americans that are unemployed and baseball is trying to figure out how to divide the potential of millions of dollars. So that's the easy one. That's simple. But this looks awful in every way because this has been made public. And that is a real problem. This is playing out in front of those that are seeing the NBA and the NHL do what they can do to work together to finish their seasons. Now, yes, those leagues had the majority of their regular seasons finished, but but they are working together to get their games back and finish it up. Baseball. Well, this is turning people off by the minute. Fans don't want to hear this. Not during a pandemic. And they certainly don't want to hear about money right now. Can you really be that tone deaf? Do I really need to hear Scott Boris tell the American public that the players aren't willing to agree on what's being offered? No. Go rep your players. You don't speak for the collective group of the players. You're not the head of the Players Association. You're not Tony Clark. You're not Rob Manfred. You're an agent. I would love to know who would be the adult in the room to stand up and say this. Look, we got to get a deal done. Now, this is a very simple one I'm going to say. Everybody in the world is getting a haircut financially. Let's put our differences aside, do the right thing, and play. Yes, there are going to be sacrifices. We get it. There's going to be concessions on both sides, but this is for the betterment of the game right now. This is good for our country. Do I think that will happen? Not a chance. However, I've said this from day one, and this is the positive part of this. There's too much to be lost. 17 to 18 months without a meaningful game. Players walking away with zero. So do I think we'll have baseball? Yes, I do. However, it's being played out publicly. Right now, it's just a terrible look for the game. On to hockey. How did they get their deal done? Bill Daly from the NHL front office. Obviously, our ability to play out the playoff format that we've outlined yesterday and award a Stanley Cup uh, certainly preserves a lot of revenue in the uh, 1920 season and should help with respect to HRR calculations and the like. But I think, it, you know, given where we are and given the fact that we're not going to have fans in the stadium or the, the arena, is most likely during this playoffs and we don't know precisely when they'll be reintroduced uh, at NHL games. I think the salary cap uh, in the short term is going to be a product of, of a negotiation between the, the players and, and the clubs and the league. And, you know, we have those those discussions are ongoing. We forged a very good relationship, uh, relationship with the Players Association during this time period. Everybody's aware of the issues and what we're dealing with, and, and uh, to this point, everybody's been rowing in the same direction. Everybody rowing in the same direction. You didn't hear bickering publicly. There weren't agents and players saying this is unacceptable. Owners were quiet. They tried to get what they can. They tried to do what was best for all involved. The players agreed. Lesson learned. So what about the NBA? They're moving in the right direction, according to Adrian Wojciechowski. Adam Silver and the Players Association are, are drilling down this week into the details of what the structure is going to look like. 
how many regular season games, how many teams are going to be asked to return, and then what's the pathway into the playoffs for those teams. There's a Board of Governors meeting on Friday afternoon, and that's going to be an opportunity for the owners and Adam Silver to go through the details of a potential plan or move closer to finalizing a potential plan. Again, progress, not perfect, not ideal. No players uh, are going to say, well, there's no fans in the stands, so we're not going to play. Nope. We're going to try to get it done. We're going to try to make sure that we get through the playoffs. We're going to make sure that financially we're in a better spot than potentially not playing going into next season and beyond. Again, not perfect, but they're trying to get it done. Coming up, it's a visit with this guy. Swing and a high drive to center field. Breeze hits it in the air to center. Get up, baby. Get up, baby. Get up. We will see you tomorrow night. One of the greatest games in baseball history, David Freeze, right in the middle of it. We're going to talk about that. Talk about his role with the Cardinals coming up. Maybe potentially being a Cardinals Hall of Famer. Also, the Air Comfort Service text line is wide open for you. We'll get to that later in the show. 65780. The Rhino Shield mic drop is available for you as well. Hey, you guys make me think. This is your show. I appreciate you listening. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Back on Scoops with Danny Mac, and this is done daily, 10 till 11 on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1018 in St. Louis. Colin Surrey alongside. Well, I mentioned earlier I get to do the, uh, and it's really a privilege to do the town halls for the Cardinals. There's Zoom calls, and a lot of the fans have a chance to come in and see the various people we've been able to bring them. So it's been John Mosellock and Mike Schilt. Uh, last night was Tommy Herr and John Tudor, New members of the Cardinals Hall of Fame. We've had Andrew Miller, Ken Daly, and the list goes on and on. They, they really are fun. Uh, those guys get into it. And on one of these, we had a couple of weeks ago, David Freeze, the hometown hero. And it was for an hour. And we got into so many different subjects. And it, one of the, the first things I asked him about was officially retiring from baseball and, and what St. Louis and being a part of this organization and the fan base and just being a hometown hero means to him. Yeah, um, you know, and I, I, I try and think about if I didn't grow up there, how would I feel about, you know, all the teams I played for and this and that. And But I think it, a lot of it just comes down to what type of organization St. Louis has. And, you know, the, obviously the, the personnel is a little different, but the foundation is the same. The, the fans are the same, just the love for the organization, the history of it. Um, but then you add in, you know, it's hometown team. You know, all, all the history that you learn about growing up. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I'm, I'm a Cardinal. And, you know, obviously when I got traded, I kind of joke around that I kind of just vanished <laughs> for <laughs> five or six years. But that's what I needed to do. Like, I just I, I just couldn't handle things the way a lot of people can handle things. And I just I, – would I have done things differently? Probably, you know, if I go back. But I just wasn't ready, like, um, to just do things the way maybe I should have. Um, but, you know, just – the idea of retiring and kind of getting back into some Cardinal stuff and, and being a part of that organization a little bit, um, that's exciting to me. 
Correct me if I'm wrong, and we're going to get into 2011 a little bit here, but even in your career after 2011, when we were seeing you and you'd be coming up late in games, I'd say, oh, no, Freeze is going to come through here late again because you had the ability to come through when the game was on the line. Mentally, I think you slowed the game down. Is that a fair way to put it, or how did you know? why did you yeah. have so much success in those kind of moments? I think one... One thing I was pretty good at, I was ready for those moments before you're even supposed to be. Like, like those moments can catch up really quick and speed things up. So if even if you're in the field and you know you're about to hit next inning, obviously focus on playing defense, but, like, there's nothing wrong with getting ready sooner than you think you should. You know, whether you're in the hole, um, if you're on deck and you're trying to get ready, it's too late. Obviously, if you're rolling, it's middle of the season, um, you know, you don't really pay attention to much. You just go and go and hit. But the, the tough thing about the middle of the season is that it can it can speed up on you. Um, and the, I think the postseason is just a little different in the sense that, you know, you know you get four ABs a night. Um, you only get eight, you know, in two to three days. Um, obviously, they're ex- – excruciating and, and very important but um you know i think just being able to know yourself and what it takes to slow your game down in your mind you know it can go a long ways did big mac help you a lot with that yeah big mac was he was really good at um taking care of the younger guys mentally um he had us confident leaving the cage every day like he worked more mechanically uh, with the older guys and this and that I think he just understood what your, how much your mind mattered um, at 7.15 every night, you know, and, and getting it right before them. Um, yeah, Big Mac, I remember in 2010, I had a rough 2009 winter, um, you know, getting in trouble and stuff. And then we hired Mac, and I remember seeing him at the end of the hallway after the winter warm-up because uh, Tony wanted me to hit with him just to kind of meet and – and, and get going a little bit. And my knees were shaking I bet. when he, when he put that first ball on the tee, cause it was Mac. I mean, I was, I was in the seats when he hit 500 and 501, he hit him in the same night. And I think that was the same night that Tony Gwynn could have got 3000, but they it sat was. him. It was Andy Ashby against uh, the Padres were in town when he hit 500 and Gwynn had a chance to get 3000, didn't get the hit in St. Louis and then went to Montreal got and got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Big Mac was with John Jay, Alan Craig. This guy. I mean, you know, we were good ball players to begin with, but I think Mac just added a whole other element that he knew we needed. Because St. Louis is an organization where if you're young, it's like the Dodgers. Like, those young guys that come up are ready. Yeah. And it's because of the coaches. It's because of the guys that they draft. But um, there's the – it's tough, man, when you know and you get called up that, like, this is a team that needs you, you know. And so you got to – you got to – clear the air really quick on being in the big leagues. You got to get to work. In game, I can't remember which one it was. I think it was, well, it was the Oswald game. You hit a home run against the Phillies. Yeah. And Tony LaRusso said to me one night, he said, I was driving down and was going to bench me. He was going to bench you. He was not going to start <laughs> you. It still gets yeah. you a little bit, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but then I quickly think of everything that happened. But, um, but I remember... I just did that interview with Buster Olney, um, you know, a month or so ago uh, on his Baseball Tonight podcast on Spotify. But uh, and I remember 
I remember going to the field. I was 0 for like 11 with eight punch outs against Halliday, Hamels, and Lee, you know, to start that series. And so I'm like, okay, we got we got Oswald coming in. I might not play. Like we got Descalso, who we kind of spot started each other all of 11 um, in a sense. I got hurt for a little bit, but I remember thinking like, okay, be ready that you might not play. And then I ended up being in there and I punched out my first step bat. I remember and I'm like, here we go here. Oh, this is, this is brutal. But, <laughs> um, I roped a change up, I think down the left field line and something clicked something about my mechanics, my mindset. I became the aggressor a little bit. Um, that's another thing in the postseason. that little bit of, should I, I think even as a pitcher, I would imagine and a hitter when you're striding that, that little, that second guess you're tight, you're done. Yeah. You're, it's not, it's not going to work. So you have to find that, that balance act of, of being the aggressor. And, um, and then when I hit the homer off Oswald later that night to kind of separate us to go to game five, my confidence went through the roof <clears throat> um, and just took off. Have you been, I mean, game six is obviously for a personal level, probably any boy's dream, but that game five against the Phillies with Carpenter and Hallett, have you been a part of a better game than that one? No, Um, I wish people, I mean, I don't like how people don't bring enough. (laughs) Like it's, it was incredible. Like for call hit the triple. Then I think Schumacher had a 12, 13 pitch app. This is off holiday. Like, I mean, come on, like Carpenter Halliday are best friends. They go to, you know, the Amazon every, you know, they would used to go to the Amazon every off season or something after right. the year, you know, but um, incredible first inning, one, nothing. And then Carp just holds them for nine innings and you're in Philly um, to not hear that crowd. <laughs> like, Pretty good. Awesome. And then all you hear is your family section. Um, just, <laughs> just, just really cool. And my, my, one of my favorite plays of my entire career are, is when Yachty threw out Utley, stealing second in the seventh or on a, on a curveball from Carpenter, and he just hosed him. Um, you know, if people don't remember that, they should look that play up. And then Yachty's just screaming. Yachty's my favorite teammate I've ever had for obvious reasons, but um, just an incredible game, incredible game. I'm going to go back to postseason in just a moment, but you brought up Yachty. So I, I've been yeah. wanting to ask you about this um, for many, many years since you've been coming back to St. Louis as an opposing player. And Yachty would step out in front of the plate. Every, yep, you're shaking your head every single time, every time. Not once, not twice. I mean, multiple times to make sure you get the ovation. So number one, what was the ovation like? And number two, how much trouble were you giving Yachty and how much trouble was he giving you? <laughs> he's just doing that knowing what type of ovation he's going to get when he comes back after he retires. <laughs> I'm going to make sure he knows it. Yeah, no. Um, one of, I mean, it. people won't believe this, but it is up there with doing stuff on the field. Um to be in those moments and to have Yachty next to me and initiate the respect there. Um, just really, really cool. Um, and it, and humbly it kept, it kept, just kept happening. You know, every time I'd go to the plate, um, it was just almost embarrassing for me. I was going to ask you, was it embarrassing? Man, uh, yeah, but it was so cool. You gotta love it though. <laughs> Come on. It was, so, it was so cool. Like it was just, um, 
I mean, knowing St. Louis and knowing St. Louis fans, you, I don't want to say I expect it the first time, like, but you know, it's coming and to have it just keep coming. And I know fans like, you know, you know, well, we weren't here last time when they did it. So they're going to stand up and this and that, you know, there's reasons to keep cheering, I guess, but um, just really cool to have those moments, not only with St. Louis fans, but with Yachty for sure. What, what did your teammates, so you, you're coming through with Pittsburgh and, and all of a sudden this stuff happens, and maybe those guys have never really, I mean, they know yeah. that it's a baseball town, but then they see this with their teammates. What are they saying to you? I think you, I think you, I think you said it right there. I think it kind of caught some guys off guard. Um, kind of like, whoa, like, you know, you, you not only kind of affected, you know, people's lives. I don't, I'm trying to be, well, you know, it's you true. kind of affect, affected people's lives in this way, but this is how they're showing you. Um, I think it caught a lot of people, even the Dodgers, like, you know, they, they have a great fan base and a roaring crowd. And um, I think guys, you know, sometimes start looking at you a little differently in the sense of like, okay, it's seven, eight years later. And um, man, they're still doing this for you. Like losing words, like it's just really cool. It's awesome stuff with David Freeze. You're listening to 101 ESPN. That's from a town hall visit with David a couple of weeks ago. We'll continue with that conversation in a moment and really dive into Game 6 of 2011 next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, 1035 in St. Louis. Again, it's a conversation with hometown hero David Freeze. And this was conducted a couple of weeks ago on basically a Zoom call, town hall meeting with the St. Louis Cardinals and sponsors and some of the fans. David was very open and honest. And we continue as we get into one of the great nights in baseball history. Let's go now to game six because I could talk to you about game six all night. Which, by the way, people, I always talk about on the air when we talk about game six and we have you in town or if we, it just gets brought up on the telecast. The first, like, five or six innings, that was a bad game. <laughs> I hate to tell brutal. you that. It was brutal. We was made, I mean, I mean we, uh, we had three years. Papa Hamilton hit a sky. I'm going to say it was really, really hot. <laughs> um, you got to say sky- that. He skied one. I missed it off my head. Um I think mean, we had a kind of a Texas leaguer in left field yep. that Fuki and Holiday ran into each other, and then um, Salas threw a bunt in the, in the center field. And I think Michael Young might have had a couple errors early on. And um, that's another guy that I loved watching. Man, he would like twelve straight years of a hundred, you know, or, I don't know, fifteen straight years of one hundred twenty hits or something like just dumb. But yeah, the first five innings was one of the worst games. People were, you could feel it. People were not happy, obviously. <laughs> um, but I remember thinking, especially after the pop-up, because you're just, the whole baseball world is focused on you at the moment. I'm like, okay, this is the pa- this is the picture in the paper tomorrow. And right. I uh, I remember thinking that. And obviously it didn't affect me, but I, I just mer- remember thinking that, like, kind of like, oh, and then looking up saying we got a half a game left. And it's still close. It's not like right. it's a blowout. But, um, man, it was it was not good. It was, But that just shows what type of team we had, you know, from the veterans all the way to the young guys. Like, the young guys weren't fa- – and we weren't necessarily young, you know, but we weren't phased and you know, Tony's never phased and the coaching staff and everybody. And um, we just had animals and we had Terrio and Punto and Laird, you know, 
keeping us loose all year, especially when we're 10 back in September. Um, you know, they did a great job and Mo made that ridiculous trade in the middle of the year with Rasmus and, you know, three team deal. And we got some guys and you get Zepchinski basically to just get Prince Fielder out. And that's right. You get Dotel basically just to get Ryan Braun out. And what did they do? That's who they got out for seven, for six games. Um, so, you know, yeah, the first, uh, to get back, the first five innings of game six were horrendous. When you look back at that, are you still shocked of, of where they're playing you? Because you were a guy that went right, you're taking yeah. the ball to right center and yeah. gets over his head on the triple, and it's obviously a great moment. Just take us through the at-bat, where he's playing, and just what's going through your mind there. Yeah, um, I'm on deck, never have faced Feliz before. So I have that going on, um, you know, simple, stay simple, stay simple, just, you know, this and that. But, uh, I think I, I think I, I took a slider first pitch for a ball and I, and I was, and I was ready for the heater and I was ready to hit. Um, cause I think we had first and second, I think that's where Albert and Lance were, but, uh, yeah, I took that first slider and I was like, Oh, I see this. Okay. <laughs> we have a shot here. Um, and then I just worked it, worked a good at bat and the three, one, I was, I think a hundred low and away for a strike, but I swung, I just like flailed at it, you know? And, um, and I remember stepping out still composed and I was just like, he's going to do this again. You know, like he, the way, especially the way I looked on the previous pitch, um, he's just going to chuck this out there. And, uh, and I know that's, you know, arguably where I wanted it and this and that, but it's still quote unquote impossible to hit. Um, you know, but I may threw it in the same spot and that was a big reason why, I, why I whacked it. Um, I didn't know where the outfielders were playing. I knew where the infield was, you know, cause when I'm in trouble, I just like to shoot ball, try and shoot balls through and stuff like that. But, um, I didn't know where they were playing, but when I made contact, I was, I, I honestly was like, I hit the, I hit it out. Like I thought I hit it out. And, and then I took a few steps and then I was like, Oh, this is caught. And, and then I remember I lost it, I think. And so I was about to hit first and I hit first and then I heard the crowd and then I saw the ball again, ricochet off and just mayhem, <laughs> um, mayhem, mayhem, just, uh, don't get thrown out third. Um, <laughs> this game, this game's tied. This is, this is crazy. This is crazy. So. And, and then Hamilton hits a home run. I mean, there's so many good <laughs> players on both sides in that series. He hits yeah, a home yeah, run, and you're yeah. thinking, uh, and then all of a sudden you have a chance to come up again. So tell me, let's, let's go through that at bat then and, and, and making sure. And, and you guys were down to your final strike a couple of different times too, and Berkman had the big hit. I mean, there's so many things that happened with yeah, it. Yeah, so much. The home run, just take me through the at bat and the emotions of it too. Yeah, uh, you know, I'm out in the field the inning before, and I I understand that I'm leading off, so it's kind of like the mentality of just get something going. <clears throat> That's how I've always hit anyways. You know, I'm not – when I try and launch, you know, just ground out the third every time or punch out, so that I never really figured that one out. But um, – trying to figure out this cat. Um, but <laughs> I, I remember, you know, Mark Lowe never faced him, I don't think, before. And uh, so I work like a 3-0 count maybe. Um and he threw a high heater when it was a ball. I still think it was a ball. Um, and I was furious just because you, you want to lead off the inning. You want to get on base. Um, and then I, I took a 
real aggressive hack three to three one um and filed it straight back and then um i was just kind of looking to drive something up the middle line drive on three two and he you know he chose not to throw a hundred and he threw a 90 mile an hour you know change up um and so i got the barrel out on it and, and clipped it and um you know i i said this in the buster interview that that swing and that pitch was the same swing and pitch that Oswald threw me in that game four. It was, there were two different pitches. It was a, Oswald's was a heater, but man, it, um, I still know what those feel like. Like it was, it was, it was, I don't know. It was funny to me. Like, cause I was like, damn, that was the same thing that, that got me going. And I ended up kind of putting the same, I finished differently, but I put the same swing on it. Do you know it was gone immediately? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, so, home park um not that i hit a lot of homers but you just you just know um obviously it was cold so you didn't quite know but i you know i had a pretty good idea um and hamilton the way hamilton was running um you're like all right he thinks this is gone too so i was just like holy cow now now what (laughs) yeah how how um, many times how many times do you think you've seen that that you know, even the, the full game or just the at-bats of the triple and the home run? Honestly, yeah, how many times have you seen I don't, it? You know, I've never seen the full game. Um, I've just never watched. I've never watched really any of the full games of uh, – I will eventually maybe with my kids or, or some buddies or whatever, but um, I can't even count how many times I've seen. I'll, I mean, everybody – like, I mean, Michael Jordan goes go, would go on his – you know, on the computer and watch highlights and dig me se- sessions and everybody does that. So like, yeah, I'll run, I would run back to 11 and, and just have a confidence build up or, you know, whatever, and, and just look at stuff and those hits go in there. Um, you know, we deal with failure, you know, the whole, the whole season. So, we, you know, you need those moments. I think you got to lift yourself up in anything you do um in life but uh man i i don't know how many times that I've, I've i've seen those but it's cool when they pop up on commercials and stuff and they they throw you in with all the other big hits in the postseason um and then you're wearing a cardinal jersey you know it's just it's just stupid what do you remember about rounding the bases or even just getting the shredder was waiting for you the whole team <laughs> was waiting for you what, what do you remember about that yeah, um, I remember rounding second base. I remember this. Is, people don't believe this, but I, the night before, I went to uh, Me Ranchito and had Mexican and when the game got canceled with Ryan Mueller, a buddy of mine, and um, we were talking about Edmonds when he hit the game six homer in the NLCS. And, um, and I thought of that after I hit it. Um, probably it was just on my mind and just the correlation between the two, but I thinking about that and then telling myself, look into home plate and remember that, you know, remember the guys that were storming the dish out of the dugout. And I'm glad I like caught that image because that's, I think sliding into third and seeing Okendo and, and looking in the dugout. Um, that's my favorite hit is the triple probably, but the, 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 the personal viewpoint of seeing home plate, before third, getting to third base, yeah, whew, that, that, was, that was cool. That was really cool. You would qualify for the Cardinals Hall of Fame once you're, there's a certain, you know, time period once you're officially retired. I got a feeling, David, I'm going to go out on a limb here, that if you were on the ballot, um, you might be a first ballot 100 percenter, okay? I'm not <laughs> that. 
But have yeah. you thought about that and what that might be like? Because it's for the fans. It's not Major League yeah. Baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's yeah, for yeah. special people and moments and things that, you know, bring us all back to Cardinal Baseball. Have you, have you right. thought about that at all? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. I have. Um, do I worry about what happens with that? Absolutely not. Like, you know, those are the things that I can handle that are out of my control. It's right. <laughs> it's, it's, it's the other stuff that sometimes gives me problems. But, um yeah, I mean, it'd be a blast. Um, you know, I played five seasons there. I was hurt a lot. You know, I, when I played, I, I did pretty well. Um, you know, obviously 11 and, you know, turned people's perspective around of my, you know, my tenure there. But, um, yeah, I think about it. Joining that, that club, you know, that group, um, yeah, it would be awesome. Like, you know, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It would be, it would be great. Um, but that's not, it's not up to me. How many people come up to you and want to talk to you, especially in St. Louis? They're, oh, there's David Freeze. How many people want to come up and, and have a story about, I met my future husband, I met my wife at that game, I, I <laughs> took my, it was my right. first kid's first right. game, you know, just a right. special story and a connection because of you, and how cool right. is that for you? Right. My kid was born nine months after that night, you know, yeah. like all, those, all, those, all those stories, but um, a lot of those, I bet. Yeah. But, um, that's the coolest part about it. Like a Midwest town. Um, if you do good things, everyone's going to be cool to you, you know, and that's just kind of the way it is. But like the stories, especially in a town city like St. Louis, where you're somewhat some degree connected to everybody in a way, um, yes. it has its issues, you know, it has its privacy issues and, and this and that, but you, you really can't change it for anything because you want to be connected to people. That's what we're all about. Um, you know, and to hear stories and to hear genuine stories, um, from kids, you know, like the older people, I get a kick out of those stories. Like, you know, grandma and grandpa are coming up and like the, just the sweetest people ever, you know, like, um, yeah, when when people are real genuine, uh, man, there's nothing better than hearing hearing those stories. And not like nowadays, you know, I'm married and you know you have a kid running around and you go back. Like that was a tough part because every every almost everywhere everywhere I went, whether into a store or not, I'm by myself. So there's kind of an easier opening to come say sure. something, which is fine. But um, everybody had so much respect for me when I was there and um, hanging in there when I was going through my, my BS and, and all that. Um, <clears throat> but just, man, from there or not, it's just not a better city to, to do cool things on a baseball field. You know, like it's, it was just awesome. What are you most proud of? As you, as you look back on your career, now you're officially retired. You had a, one of the greatest games, if not the greatest game in baseball history, uh, the ups and downs. What, what are you most proud of in your Cardinal career and just in your career in general too? Um, I think just pushing through, it's cliche, but I'll be honest, there was a lot of times, whether it's my view on baseball or just my mental weakness at times, but like there's times where I just was done with it. I wanted to quit and it was never during the season. I always respected, um, you know, I signed up for this, let's rock and roll. But like the off season was tough sometimes where I was like, I've had it. Like I, you know, like I was just move on, but um, man, I'm glad I didn't. It has nothing to do with the money. It has nothing to do with, playing in October. Um, I was going to quit after if I didn't get traded to the Dodgers, I was retiring. You know, I knew I got, I was a year away from 10 years, but that really wasn't important to me, but I was just done. But, um, man, just pushing through like 
the idea of respecting your future, understanding how grateful you should be. That's one thing I, I think I've always been grateful, but without like the focus of it, you know, like really itemizing, what am I grateful for? That's really changed me instead of just like sitting in the clouds, being grateful, like really understanding what you're grateful for on a daily basis that can, that can change your brain. Um, but just pushing through Cardinals the rest of my career, um, you know, just, I don't know, like that. I'm just, I'm just self, you know, I'm selfishly proud of that for, for a lot of things. And I think you can show a lot of people what you're made of. If, if you just take a breath and understand that everything's all right, you know, and, and just go about your business, you know, respectfully in a mature way. Awesome stuff. David Freeze on a town hall with the St. Louis Cardinals a couple of weeks ago. And, the 314 Air Comfort Service text line. This interview is really awesome. Danny Mac, thank you for making my day. 618, thank you for this interview. It is awesome. Happy tears. David Freeze, thanks for the memories. Let's go to a mic drop. Rhino Shield mic drop. Joshua. Morning, guys. So we know how unpredictable the BFIB can be. My question is, with the war that's comparable to both Tudor and hers, and of course the hometown hero status, at some point does Freeze end up on a Cardinal Hall of Fame ballot? and eventual induction. Now, more importantly, if it weren't for those strides made in 2011, so let's put those aside for a second, would the rest of his entire body of work while wearing the birds on the bat be enough to even earn him that distinction? Yeah, I I agree. If it's not for Game 6, he doesn't get into the Cardinals Hall of Fame. You have to have played three years in St. Louis, three years retired from the game, but this is the fan vote. The fans wanted Tommy Hurd. The fans wanted John Tudor. Do I think Keith Hernandez should be in? Absolutely. Years ago, he should be in. But this is the fan vote. The fans wanted him in. So Keith Hernandez is going to get in. There's no question about that. It's going to happen. Um, But, again, it's the fan vote. And when you think about when Tommy gets his red jacket and John Tudor gets his, Bill White gets his coming up, and eventually maybe David Freeze, it's the emotions that you as fans had with that. It's 2011 Game 6. And it's about a hometown hero, a St. Louis native, and a guy that wore the birds on the bat and maybe having the greatest game in the history of baseball. You can make that case. His triple, then the home run. Pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome stuff. It really is. Thanks to David Freeze. I hope you enjoyed that. Tomorrow I'm going to visit with Rick Horton on that Cardinals Hall of Fame and talk about whether or not we're going to have baseball this year. And I'll wrap it up with the crossover Ribs and BK coming up next. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. So apparently I went too long. So Ribs and BK, this is the crossover. What do you guys have coming up? Go ahead, BK. You're going to give me trouble, and it's all yours. I didn't say a word. That was no, I said it. Oh, yeah, Jamie did. I said it. I own it. Hurry up, Danny. We Jason, all love David Freeze, but hurry up, Danny. <laughs> Jason Stark, come on, I was Major crying. League Baseball writer, is going to be joining us coming up at noon. Joey Vitale coming up at 1230. And I want to talk about something positive from sports. We'll do that to lead off the show. By the way, baseball, you know, it's negative. Right? They're going to get it done. I hope so, buddy. There, there's just too much to lose. 
I can't come. I mean, I, I honestly, I go back. It's just too much to lose, right? Am I seeing something wrong here or what? No, you should be. You're not wrong, man. I'm telling you, I don't understand how they've gotten themselves into this much of a hole already. Like, guys, get it together. Just the, the court of public opinion, it has not been pretty, period. No. Ribs BK coming up. Colin, great job. I'm out of here because they don't want me in here. And we we can't go and cross over too long because you can give me my show. Turn his mic off. Thank yeah. you. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals. Scoops with Danny Mac on 101 ESPN.